I'm excited about today. We're starting our freedom series. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to get free. Now look at the person on the other side of you. Say, you got to get free. Look at the person behind you. Say, you too. <laughs> you got to get free. And today, um, really the springboard of this series comes from Ephesians 1, 7. It says this, he is so rich in kindness. Do you believe that? You believe Jesus is so rich in kindness? See, some people think that God is just an angry God, but he's a good father. Some people believe that God is a God that just likes to stick it to you with the laws, but he broke that and said, I want you to have my heart. He's a good father. Are you glad you have a good father, the creator of the universe, the one that created you and has a plan for you? He's good, and he wants to bless you. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. I don't know about you, but that excites me. It is the blood of Jesus that brings freedom. You know, if you were to look at an antonym of freedom or the opposite of freedom, you would look at the word or you, you would discover the word imprisonment, imprisonment. And a lot of times in our lives, you know, I, I, uh, I've visited quite a few people in jail and and, you know, the people that first get in there, they're, you know, they're ready to get out. But if you've been in jail for a long, long time, you can be conditioned of being imprisoned. You could actually be scared to get out of prison. You could actually feel, you know, like comfortable there in prison. You got three meals a day. You got a place to sleep. And you're used to being in prison. And a lot of us, a lot of us, we can get used to being in prison. By poverty, by addiction, by depression, by insecurity, by fear. We can be conditioned because we lived in it so long. But how many of you know that Jesus said that he, he set the captives free? How many of you are glad that he sets the captives free? That he doesn't leave you in captivity, but he sets you free. And that's what we're believing for in these next couple of weeks as we talk about Freedom. You know, the Bible says in Revelations 12, it says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our, our testimony. So when we believe in the finished work of Jesus and we have faith and declare what he's done for us, how many of you know we come into victory? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We begin to break out and overcome sin and overcome those things that the enemy places in our life. See, there are five primary benefits of the blood of Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, there's five of them. And these are all backed up in Scripture. And the first one is this, that by the blood of Jesus, we are redeemed from the power of the enemy. Are you thankful for that? In other words, without the blood of Jesus, the enemy has power over you. Without a relationship with God, the enemy has power over you. But when you come to Jesus, you have power over the enemy. You get out of the enemy's camp and come into the kingdom of God. Are you excited about that? The second one is this. By the blood of Jesus, all of my sins are forgiven. I don't know about you, but that's good. Now, do you believe it? It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to believe it. If you're feeling guilty today and condemned today, you got to know that if you go to the cross and declare that all of your sins are forgiven, you'll see that condemnation break off of you. 
and you will feel free with God. God never intended for you to be feeling condemned and guilty and full of shame all the time. All the good works we could ever do does not compare to what Jesus did on the cross. And we have to know that that's what makes us righteous is the blood of Jesus. Am I right about it? And the third thing is this, that by the blood of Jesus, as I walk into the light, as he is in the light, I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So not only does he cover your sins, but he cleanses the effect of your sins. Come on, you might have done some things that have ruined your life, but God can come around and cleanse all that up with his word and by his blood. That's good news. He's a good God, and he's able to redeem you. Do you believe that? The third thing is this, or the fourth thing. The fourth thing. By the blood of Jesus, I am justified. Now, that word justified means that just as you have never sinned. It also means the word righteous. So when you become uh, made righteous, you are justified. And Jesus became sin and paid for sin that we could have justification or the righteousness of God. I don't know about you, but that's good news, that God not only, he not only forgives you, cleanses you. When he looks at you, he doesn't look at your faults. He looks at you through the lens of Jesus, and he sees Jesus on the inside of you. And these are the weapons that God has given us. The fifth thing is this, that by the blood of Jesus, we are sanctified. Now, this word sanctified is to set apart. The Bible says that we, we become the very, we have the nature of God in us. I don't know about you, but that's good news. I want to believe that, that the nature of Jesus literally comes into your life and that you're set apart for a good work. How many of you want to begin to fight with the word of God? We don't fight with our thoughts We don't fight with just inspirational quotes. We fight with the word of God. And when you have the blood of Jesus and you believe in the blood of Jesus and you begin to declare the blood of Jesus, you will start to see yourself come into great victory. Do you believe that? We're going to today focus on the first benefit, the first benefit. It's this, by the blood of Jesus, I am delivered from all the power of of the enemy. The title of my message today, you can write it down, it's delivered, delivered, delivered. God has made a transfer so that we come out of darkness into his kingdom of light. Let's look at that in Colossians 1:13. It says this. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred, this is a word, how many of you know that a transfer can be a money term? He transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So in when we don't have a relationship with God, we're in the kingdom of darkness, but when Jesus comes, he is able to transform us into the kingdom of his son. Are y'all excited about that? In other words, the blessing becomes the curse. Do y'all believe that? that God redeemed us from the curse, that he became a curse for us, that we have the blessing of Abraham. See, I want to show you a picture of deliverance today. I want to attempt to show you a picture of what it looks like because a lot of times we can read it and we can can, uh, say it and we just want to get motivated, but a lot of times God wants us to learn it. Am I right about it? Jesus taught more than he ever preached. And so I'm going to attempt to teach a little bit today on what it's like to be delivered and give you a picture 
of that today. You know, in Genesis 2, we see a, a picture of Adam and Eve. I'm, I'm going to need some actors today, too. Jacob and Jordan, are y'all here? Y'all in here today? Where you at? Come on up. You can run. I know you go to the gym. You can run on up here. Now, they're not married, but there are Adam and Eve today. <laughs> we'll work on that. <laughs> if y'all can just come up right here. Now, now, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had it made. Am I right about it? Y'all can hold hands. That's all right. That's legal. We're acting, all right? Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had it made. God made Adam and Eve. How many of you know that uh, just you and Jesus is not enough? God made Adam and was like, nah, you need, you need a woman. You need a wife. So he brought a woman, and they were one. And the Bible says that their whole job was to walk with God in the cool of the day and begin to just call things and name animals and tend to all of God's creation. How many of you know that's a good gig? There's no sweat. There's no death. There's no, there's no um, sickness. There's no disease. There's no stress. It was paradise. How many of you want to stay in paradise? How many of you know that when you get to heaven, you might have to slap Adam and Eve for getting us out of paradise? Just be like, ah, it's your fault. Uh, you shouldn't even be here. <laughs> but they begin to stay in paradise and was enjoying paradise. God said, listen, you can have every tree. You can have every fruit. You can do whatever you want. Be free. He said, but there is one tree that you cannot eat of, and it's the tree that's called the the knowledge of good and evil. And there's another tree, he said, that you can't eat of, and it's called the tree of life. How many of you know that's the cross? See, the knowledge of good and evil represents logic and doubt in our life. The, the tree of life represents the cross and living in faith in Jesus, right? So the, the one tree represents logic See, we always, when we think of sin, we think of the big sins, right? We think of adultery or, or murder or things like that. But how many of you know that just doubt can trip us up? Just some doubt can trip us up. So this is what the enemy did. The enemy came in and he hated Adam and Eve. He hated them because they actually took his place. They actually took his place in the earth and they reminded him of God and God kicked the enemy out of heaven for coming into rebellion. So what he wanted to do was he wanted to infuse or he wanted to cause the nature of him to get in them. Am I right? How did he do that? He began to whisper to them and he began to say, can you really believe in the word of God? Can you really believe that that if you eat of this fruit, that you'll die? Come on, you're not going to really die. And he, he got them thinking. How many of you know that that's how the enemy starts? He gets you thinking. He gets you thinking. And then he wants to bring emotions into it. He wants to bring emotions. And he says, you know what, really, God does not want you to eat of this fruit because you're going to know everything that God knows, and you're going to be like God, and, 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 and that's the only reason. Now, now Eve is getting emotional. Now Eve is getting emotional. This is how the enemy works. He says, begin to think about it. And begin to desire it to the point that you're going to eventually do it. 
Am I right about it? Begin to think about it so you start to desire it, and in that time you'll eventually do it. And the Bible says that they, te- they took of the fruit and the nature of the enemy, the nature of wanting to do my own thing, doing it my own way, started to kick in with Adam and Eve. How many of you want to take the fruit of the tree of life? You don't want to take the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. See, doubt, there's an acronym for doubt. And when you allow doubt in your life, you allow these things in your life. Let's do an acronym really quick. D stands for depression. Doubt brings depression in your life. See, the Bible says in Proverbs that a bad word crushes a spirit, but a good word makes a heart glad. Depression comes from a bad word. So when you begin to doubt, you can find yourself getting low. How many of you know that God doesn't ever want you to get low and depressed? God wants you to stay up here with him. Am I right about it? The O actually stands for oppression. Oppression. You ever felt oppressed before? It doesn't matter what scenario you're in. It doesn't matter if you're on a beach. You ever been on the beach and then a horse fly is aggravating you? You're like, I'm, 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 I'm on vacation, I'm laying on a beach, and I'm, I'm getting tormented by a horse fly. Have you ever been there before? It doesn't matter your situation. You could have a good job. You could have a good family. You could have a good background. You could have, things can be going good. But when you come into doubt, oppression starts to get on your life. And it's like a fly. It's like emotional. And you can't really control it. You ever been there? You think, what's wrong with me, man? My thoughts, emotions, I'm just... Off, off. So, so God allows us to get, get away from this doubt. You, it stands for unsatisfied. Sin causes you to be unsatisfied. You ever, had, you ever seen when you were little cotton candy, you picked that cotton candy, you put it in your mouth, and it just left you unsatisfied? It just melted in your mouth and it left you empty? Sin will leave you unsatisfied, and this is how sin works. Sin begins to, you have a desire of sin, it births sin, and, and all of a sudden, what, what pleased you before doesn't please you as much. So you have to go to the next level of sin. And people wonder, how did I get here? It's the whole frog in the boiling water scenario. If you want a bowl of frog, you don't put them in boiling water, you just slowly turn up the heat. And a lot of times we think that the sin in our life is not affecting us, but over time it does. And so you can find yourself being unsatisfied. B, B stands for bitterness. You know why the majority of people are bitter today? It's because they're jealous. Because they doubt the word of God for their life. So when God works in somebody else's life, they begin to say, I want that. And we're living a day of, I believe people are more jealous than ever because we live in an edited generation. You're scrolling through Facebook, you're scrolling through Instagram, and everybody looks like they have an awesome life, and they don't. Am I right about it? And, and you live in this thing of like, oh, they're on another vacation. You are mad about somebody else's blessing. And it makes you bitter. How come I can't? Well, well listen, this is a part of doubt in your life. You start to get bitter. You start to get bitter with God. It's like Cain and Abel. Cain's like, well, I can't do anything right. God's saying, give me a good offering. Am I right about it? He killed his brother, Abel, because of 
of jealousy and bitterness. How many of you know that we need to be excited when our friends get blessed? If people get blessed and it makes you mad, there's something in your heart that's not right. It's, it is doubt in your heart. It's miserable. It's miserable because the truth is God made you to be you and God didn't make you to be anybody else. And we're not called to follow anybody else. We're called to follow Jesus. And you will always be unsatisfied. You will always start to get a bitter heart until you start to say, no, God's promises are for me. God's promises are for me, and I'm going to lay hold to them, and I'm going to believe them, and I'm glad that they're getting blessed because it's just proof that my blessing's coming. Am I right about it? T, T stands for being trapped. You ever felt trapped before? You feel like you're in a scenario, you can't get out, you feel trapped. Doubt will begin and cause you to get trapped. Now, they ate of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God came back and said, hey, Adam, Eve, where are you at? And somebody like that, where are you at? Where are you at? And, and they, they, they were hiding, and they said, we're naked and we're ashamed. He said, who told you you were naked? Why are you full of shame? And so he began to curse the enemy, and then he turned to man, and he cursed man because they disobeyed in the garden. They had it made, but they wanted to have the, they wanted to do their own thing in rebellion. And let's look at that curse really quick because it gives us a depiction of what life is like for many people. It's in Genesis 2. We're going to take a look at it. Y'all okay today? Gen- Genesis 2. Let's give them a hand in the back. They're working hard. Genesis 3.16, I'm sorry, that was my fault. Genesis 3.16, it says this, God said to the woman, he said, I surely will multiply your pain in childbearing. That will make you want to slap Eve just right there for you women. I've seen it, it's not pretty. (laughs) Up close and personal. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. But he shall rule over you. And Adam, and he said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, it wasn't the woman's fault. It really wasn't. It was Adam's fault, but it's kind of the woman's fault. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop. <laughs> your wife and have eaten of the tree which I have commanded you. You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it in all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your faith, face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and dust you shall return. How many of you know that that sounds really familiar? People always working, not getting what they're working for. It's like, a, it's like a curse. It is like, man, it doesn't matter how far ahead you get, you feel like you're taking two steps forward and three steps backwards. You ever felt that way? It is, it is part of the curse where, where sickness comes and everything you have to work for, you got to work so hard and, and all of a sudden you're not getting any fruit. That's discouraging. You ever worked, 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 and you didn't see anything come from it? How many of you know that's the curse? So God set a curse on man, and this is what he said. This is what he did. He actually, he actually got an angel 
I need an angel today. Mr. Daryl, can you be our angel? Come on up. Give him a give him a hand. Andrew, come up. Bring the sword. Don't run. Just stay right here. And what God did was he he caused an angel to have a flaming sword and keep people out of the garden. Of, you you got to hold it like this. There you go. Like, like you're about to execute some vengeance, like that. And so God kicked them out and brought them into darkness. So now they're living and they can't. Now the, the flaming sword represents the judgment of God. God judged them and they're out of the Garden of Eden, they're out of the blessing, and all of a sudden in their life, they're living in darkness. How many of you know that sin will cause you to live in darkness? Let's bring those blinders up. And, and sin will cause you not to see. Sin will cause you not to be able to hear the voice of God. How many of you know that the voice of God is priceless? The voice of God is priceless in your life. And and in this moment, there is a there is a separation. Isaiah actually talked about it. Let's let's look at that. It says in Isaiah fifty nine two. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that he does not hear. How many of you know that's a curse? You ever felt? That's why when people haven't had a relationship with God, they read the Bible and it's just like reading blank words. But when you give your life to God, it's like the words come off the, because you can't, you can't really hear God. You can't really sense God. You, you see God working in other people. But Jesus said, listen, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven. You can't see the, the paradise anymore. You can't see the Eden anymore. Why? Because you have entered the, the nature of the enemy has entered your life, and it's, called a, it's caused a separation in your life. You ever felt separated from God? Then, Andrew, come up. Give Andrew a hand. He's my assistant today. You got to run, though, bro. We're on a time crunch. There we go. <laughs> How many of you are thankful for Andrew? Love this guy. The next thing, the next thing, just wrap those chains. Just make them heavy. Just, there you go. It's heavy. Now, these chains, these chains, they represent in your life, they, they represent um, uh, this judgment and addictions and and uh, insecurity and fear. Have you ever had chains on you? You felt like you were chained up. This is what happened when men got out of paradise, out of the Garden of Eden. They begin to have chains on them. I love that scripture that Leah read earlier about the chains falling off. Let's look. Let's look in a minute. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty one. But it, with, with these chains, you ever felt like you had an issue and you can't, you couldn't fix it? Prod issue, insecurity issue, fear issue. Have you ever had it? See, that, this, this is the problem with a lot of marriages today because you have husbands that should be the leader, but insecurity keeps them from leading. Am I right about it? So they overcompensate. And, and, and in your life, chains could be poverty. 
See, it all came from Adam and Eve. Can I have just this front row here? This front row, just come on up. Adam and Eve started having children. Before you know it, y'all can run too. <laughs> Adam and Eve started having children. Before you know it, they were all girls, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and it didn't get better. It didn't get better. It got worse. You know, back in the day, those that grew up in the 90s, you had a tape. You had tape. You actually, you had to flip it over and press play to hear the other stuff. You had tapes. Anybody here? Come on. You feeling me? They don't know anything about that. There, there was tapes. How many of you heard a tape that was recorded like 10 times? It didn't sound that good. We used to record tapes, and you can listen to it and be like, yep, they recorded this about 15 times, and I'm getting the leftovers. And so that's what it was like for the generations that as time went on, people were getting worse and worse. And that's a curse for on your life that your children has to bear the curse. This is a big deal because the curse of divorce, your parents got divorced, your great parents got divorced, they're chains and it starts to come on your life. Addiction and drugs, these things that you feel like you can't help and they come on your life and they're chains. Homosexuality. If you want to get real today, we can, we can be real and say there are people in here today that have had a lean to homosexuality and people say, well, they were just born that way. It's right. They were because it was in a generational line and it was a part of the curse. But how many of you know that the blood of Jesus can break that curse off of your life? Addiction, pride. You see people say, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Then they lose their job. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Then they go to jail. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Then everybody's telling them what to do. Get up, go eat, go to the yard. Before you know it, before you know it, you are wanting to do your own thing, but the chains brought you down. And now, now the enemy can actually control your life. Wherever the enemy wants to bring you, he's able to bring you. Isn't it, isn't it crazy that we're vulnerable to sickness? You can't stop it in the kingdom of darkness. In the kingdom of darkness, people get cancers and they get illnesses and things like that. And if you're a Christian, you have to know that God is going to heal you. Even a bad report, you might have gotten a bad report. The blood of Jesus can set you free and heal you. Do you believe that? But in your life, you find yourself vulnerable with attacks and and different things that you just cannot control. And the enemy, before you know it, you become a slave to the enemy. You become a slave to the enemy. First you were saying you were going to do this and you were going to control this. Now this thing is controlling you and you lost yourself in it. You were free at one time, but now sin controls your life. You wonder every time you get around your spouse and you're fighting and arguing and things are good. Like, why am I fighting? Why am I this thing of anger and these different chains? The enemy's playing with you, man. He's playing with you. He's toying with you. You're like a puppet on a, on a string in the kingdom of darkness. He is able to do what he wants with you. But how many of you know that we have an antidote for the curse? And his name is Jesus. Mark, come on up. You're Jesus today. You must be praying. You must be praying a lot. Now, let's read this together. 1 Corinthians 15, 21. Let me just stand in front of Daryl. Be careful. 
1 Corinthians 15, 21, it says this. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. How many of you love that? That just because your great, 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 great grandfather and grandmother sin and you deal with things, God, by the blood of Jesus, can break that curse off of your life, break that curse off of your family, break that curse off of your generations, and allow you to come into the blessing. Man, I don't know about you. Jesus actually stepped in front of judgment. He actually paid for the judgment on the cross. He said, I know I'm the only way to be a bridge to get people over here to people back into my paradise, back into my presence. And this is what happens. He shed his blood. He paid the price, and he made a bridge. And all of a sudden, y'all can come this way. He made a bridge. Y'all can take this off. It's heavy, I know, and you can't see. Just pick this off. And all of a sudden, they, they go to the cross. They recognize what Jesus did. See, God gives us a second chance to pick the tree of life. God says, listen, now if you pick the tree of life, then you're going to begin to live in victory and in health, and you're going to be vibrant, but you have to choose and have faith in the tree of life. See, this doesn't make any sense outside faith of, in Jesus. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. The Bible says that those that are perishing, the cross means nothing. But to those that are being saved, it's the very power of God. And I want to remind you today that you got power on the inside of you, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Do you believe it? Come on, if you believe it, you should give God a shout. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, that separation, I love this, I love this in Ephesians 12, 13 through 14, it says this, but now Christ Jesus, who you were once far off and had been brought near by the blood of Christ. Isn't that awesome? For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the wall of separation. He's broken down the judgment. He's broken down the wall of separation. And y'all can all come over here because the generations start to get touched and they start to get blessed and they start to get set free. And where things were getting worse, now, you can take these chains off, you're free. <laughs> now, generations are getting better. How many of you know that their ceiling is now their floor when you have the blessing on your life? And you might give your life to God today, and you think it's for you, but God doesn't just look at you. He looks at generations. He's looking inside of you and saying, no, 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 there's generations. They're going to enter the blood. Break the curse off of your life today and get into the blessing of God. You're able to see. You're able to see. You become in this place where you can see. I want you to write these three marks of deliverance in your life. Come on, let's give them a hand. Y'all can be seated. Three marks of deliverance in your life. Number one, you're transferred from death and brought into life. There's no separation. Romans 8 says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Not even yourself. Nothing can separate you 
from the love of God. Nothing. Isn't that good? That when you give your life to God, when you give your life to God, now there is never a point where you get back on that other side. That you stay in God's hands, you stay in God's presence all the days of your life. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. That is called eternal life. That your spirit becomes alive with God forever. Don't wait till you... Don't think you got to wait to go to heaven to feel God. You can feel heaven on earth right now because you're getting back with the Holy Spirit. And so at this point, when you cross over, now you're hearing God. Now you're feeling God. Now you're reading the word of God, and it's like God is directly speaking to you. Am I right about it? The second thing is this. The second thing is this. We are redeemed from the curse and brought into the blessing. Galatians 3.13 says that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus got judged and became a curse for us that we might have the blessing and an inheritance with the Holy Spirit. How many of you are glad that you now have an inheritance with God? Now you have the blessing, the curse is broken off of your life, and now you have the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Now you have a spiritual map. God's showing you where to go. You can see now. You feel light now. If you wonder if you've ever really given your life to God and you're unsure, let me tell you, if you're not sure, then you probably haven't. Because when you give your life to God, it is like at one point you are wearing a 10,000 pound backpack and then God takes that backpack and says I'll take that burden for you and you feel all that weight come off your life you feel the pride come off your life you feel the insecurity come off your life you feel the depression come off your life you feel the poverty come off your life and all of a sudden you come into joy you come into peace you come into right standing with God how many of you are glad that you're able to be in right standing with God And the third thing is this, and if I can get somebody to come and play. The third thing is this, rescued from slavery and brought into sonship. Rescued before you you were controlled by the enemy, you were controlled by your flesh, you had chains and he pulled you around in slavery, but God broke that curse and now you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you're led by the Spirit of God. How many of you know there's a big difference between hearing and listening? You ever notice that with your uh, kids? Like, you're only hearing me. You're not listening to me. Listening is really saying, I'm taking in what you have said and I'm going to begin to walk it out. Am I right about it? And so in in a life where you were once enslaved, now you're a son and a daughter. I don't know about you, but that's good news. I'm not just a Christian. I'm not just a person that can have a relationship with God from afar off. I'm actually a son. How many of you know when you see yourself as a son, then you begin to see yourself in freedom? There's nothing that you can't have when you're the son. You've got the blessing. When you're the daughter, you're the apple of God's eye. And see, in this place, in this place back in the presence of God, now you're working with God like Adam and Eve did. Now you're not working hard and not getting any results. You're allowing God to work through you. And you're working with God and you're spending time with God. How many of you know that's the life? That there's peace, there's joy in your life. 
quit hanging out over here and just thinking, I just want to do my own thing. I got to get things together before I get over here. No, get over here and God will get it together. Begin to say, no, I need the cross. I need what Jesus has done for me. I got to have it. I need a bridge. And Jesus has made a bridge for you. And see, the problem is, this is the problem. We live over here and we're trying to do things and we're trying to live for God. But there are times where you find yourself getting tempted and there are times when you, fall, you find yourself falling. And a lot of people think when they do that, they got to come all the way back over here. See, when you fall, you don't have to go all the way back to the curse. You just have to go to the cross. So when you fall, you need to find yourself on your knees right here saying that Jesus is the antidote for my failure and he's, his blood washes me clean and he breaks the power of the enemy off my life and now I'm living in the presence of God. Now I'm operating in the Holy Spirit. Now I'm feeling free with God. Why? Because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Jesus, I love this scripture in Hebrews 12. It's actually in verse 3. It's in the message. I'm not going to read all of it. But it says, it says, if you're tired, you feel like giving up, he says, begin to look at what Jesus did on the cross because he's your author. He's your finisher of your faith. You want to have faith? Don't think, oh, I got to read more. I got to do more. I got to know. Look at Jesus. You want faith? You say, well, I got to work for faith. No, you don't work for faith. You see to have faith. When you look at the cross of Jesus, it gives you faith because that is the ultimate covenant of God. You say, I don't deserve it, but he paid for it. I don't deserve it, but he shed his blood for it. There was a time when the Israelites turned their, turned their back on God. And there were these vipers that came out and bit every one of these Israelites, and they began to die. And Moses was like, God, come on, please, man, help me out. Everybody's dying. They're getting bit by snakes. And God said, no problem. I'm going to give you a picture of what's to come. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go find a snake. I want you to put it on a pole. I want you to lift it up. And when everybody sees this, then all of that poison is going to be absorbed out of their body and they're going to be healed. And this was a picture of the cross. You wonder how you get healed, how you get set free? Listen, the antidote is the cross. You begin to look at the cross and God, that bite, those wrong thoughts, those wrong emotions, those wrong feelings and actions, God absorbs that out of your life and you find yourself coming out of darkness into light. This is good news, but we got to believe it. This is good news, but we have to declare it. You know what we need to be doing right now? Maybe you're saved. Maybe you've been tripping up. Maybe you haven't been feeling free. Go to the cross. Go to the cross and say, God, I repent. I turn. I change the way that I think. I, I, I receive your blood, and you'll start to see a change happen in your life. You know what we need to be doing? We need to cause this side of the curse 
to become empty and populate heaven on this side. You wonder what you need to be doing on this side? You need to be at the cross talking to the people that are on the other side and say, it's easy, it's a way. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Come on this side. How many of you know that Jesus set you free so you can set others free? It's not all just about you. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus says there was a guy and there was two different worlds and one guy was in death and it was too late because the other guy was in life and the guy was crying out and saying, somebody give me a drink of water and and God said, listen, he didn't listen to you then, he's not going to listen to you now. There is a time where it's going to be too late. The clock is ticking. The clock is is ticking, who cares about your fear? Who cares about those feelings? When people are dying and living in the curse, they need what you have. That you have the greatest gift on the face of the earth. We should be standing on the edge of the cross saying, come over. It's better over here. It's free over here. There's peace over here. And I believe today, There's going to be two sets of people. There's going to be one set that says, you know what? I'm tired of being over here. I'm tired of being blind. I'm tired of of just being a slave of the things of the world. I'm coming over here. I'm coming over here. I'm accepting what Jesus did, and I'm coming over here. And there's another set of you that you've been enjoying this place, but there are times you've fallen and you're over here but you're still thinking like when you were over there. And God says, I want you to renew your mind. Go to the cross, get focused, and begin to call people over. Begin to call people over on the side of grace, the side of truth, the side of life. And today, if you're here and you say, you know what, I I am over here. This curse is real on my life. I need to be over there. There's only one answer. It's not you doing a whole bunch of good works. Good works come from accepting the gift of God. There's one answer. You need a Savior. There's one answer. You need a bridge. There's one answer. His name is Jesus. You need him. And today, I pray that you come to a place where you say, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I need a relationship with him. I'm going to pass from death to life. Come on, he's not mad at you. As a matter of fact, those that are far away, he's actually looking for you right now. He's tugging at your, your heart right now. God came to seek to save those that are lost, those that are blind. You say, well, I don't know if God can do it for me. Listen, God uses unqualified people, and he makes them qualified through the cross. And maybe you feel like, man, I got a long ways to go. Join the club. That's why we're all here. We don't all have it together. We all need the blood of Jesus. You know what? A lot of people are living over here, but they think they're over here. When you're living over here, but you think you're over there, you're in religion. You're over here, really. You think you're over there. But it's your good works and what you've done and you're a good person and you look down on everybody else. You see the homeless, you see the hurting, and you just accuse like the enemy. Let me challenge you. Let me challenge you. Religion 
will not get you into heaven. It doesn't matter if you pray four hours a day. It doesn't matter if you read the whole Bible every day. It doesn't matter if you build tons of orphanages. If you don't come into the grace of Jesus, you're over here. Jesus said, or Paul said, I need him daily. I need him daily. How many of you want to be over here? Come on, wave your hands if you want to stay over here. Come on, just wave your hands. If you're just thankful that God saved you, just wave your hands and say, thank you that by the blood of Jesus you brought. See, right now you're beginning to believe what he's done on the cross and you feel his presence. Right now the wall of separation that you feel like God is so far away, the blood of Jesus causes that wall to be crushed and you're feeling the presence of God. The Bible says that you're a son and you can go boldly to his throne. You're feeling him. You're hearing him. Today, if you say, you know what, I need to make that decision. I need to make that decision. To tell you the truth, if there's one person, if there's one person that gives their life to God, all of today is worth it. One, the Bible says that the whole heavens throw on a party. They rejoice, they celebrate when one comes to him. I believe there's somebody here, there's some people here that you say, I know that's me. And maybe you're nervous, join the club. But I want to challenge you to step away from here and come over here. The Bible says that if you're ashamed of me before men, then I'll be ashamed of you before my Father which is in heaven. But if you accept me before men, then I'll accept you before my Father in heaven. And I want to challenge you today, if you haven't given your life to God, I'm going to say a prayer. And then I'm going to ask you to do something bold. We're all going to stand up. And if you say, you know what, this is my time. I need to get my life right. I want you to come up front. We all have done it. It's a declaration of your faith. Come on, close your eyes right where you are, all over the room. Bow your heads. Today, if you say today, I need, to, I need, I need Jesus. I'm far away. I'm doing my own thing. God loves you right now. And just like the prodigal son that went far off, the Bible says that the father was on the edge of the porch, always waiting, looking for his son to come home. Jesus is crying out to you today, child, son, daughter, come back home. Come back home. You say, well, I don't deserve it. We, none of us do. Come back home. If you believe that today, that you want to have a relationship with Jesus, I want to say a prayer with you. Say it after me. Say, Jesus, I turn away from my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. I believe that you died and that you rose again. Come on, say it with me. I believe that you died and that you rose again. I want to have a relationship with you. I repent of my sins, and I ask you to cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. Make me new. Let me follow you. I need you. I make you Lord and Savior of my life today. Come on, if you said that prayer today with nobody looking around, just wave your hand at me. 
I see your hand all over the side, all over in the middle. I see your hands in the back. I see your hands, sir. I see your hands, ma'am. Come on, just keep your hands lifted. I see your hands. You say, come on, today is the day of salvation. We're going to do something today. What we're going to do is that we're all going to stand up. And if you raise your hand today, I don't, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. We're going to all stand up today. And when we all stand up, those of you that raise your hand, just come down to the front and make a declaration of your faith. You don't have to say anything, do anything. I'm just going to pray for you on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, stand up. Give them a hand today. Death to life.